Welcome to the Ridge Community Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to hit the subscribe button and find us online at theridgecc.com. At our website, you can catch up with everything that's happening at The Ridge, watch previous messages, and learn more about who we are. If you want to watch services live, you can catch them every Sunday via our online community at live.theridgecc.com. We hope this message inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Well, hey, welcome everybody here and a special welcome to all you who are joining us from Oak Creek and online. Well, it may be rainy and gloomy outside, but it is, we have some great things going on here inside. And one of them I want to tell you about is happening next week, as next week we are kicking off a brand new series called Busy. And uh, next week and over the next couple of weeks, we are going to talk about something that all of us battle with and for, for many of us, we don't even realize, struggle with every single day, busyness. In fact, next week, we're going to kick it off and talk about why we struggle with this and why we battle with this and the why might surprise you. And our goal through the next couple of weeks is to talk about some ways that we can reduce the busyness in our lives so we can make more room for what matters most in our lives. Now, as we go through the series, I'm going to talk about what I call the three R's that connect with busyness, rhythms, relationship, and rest. And uh, as, as just, we talk about this topic, uh, as I've shared with you just some of my journey over the last two years, it's a very personal topic to me, and uh, I see a lot of people struggling with it, and so I am just really excited about it. So I hope you'll come back next week and you won't be too busy to invite a friend with you. Thank you for leaving me hanging. I really appreciate that. Great crowd. Uh, no, all seriousness, I hope you'll come back next week as we kick off this series. I think you'll enjoy uh, that we call busy. Now, do you know what I find the most intriguing thing about Jesus? And I've always found this to be the most intriguing thing about Jesus. That Jesus is often considered the most religious person that has ever lived. In fact, people who, who don't even believe that Jesus was the Son of God or the Jewish Messiah, that they would even say that he is probably in the top two or three most religious people that has ever lived. Yet when he flashes onto the pages of history and he walked among us, we find the most disenfranchised, the most irreligious, the people who were considered farthest from God, that for some reason, they actually liked him. Not tolerated him, but they actually liked him. And when they were around him, I mean, they knew that he was a very religious person, but when they were around him, there was just a comfort level that they felt with Jesus. And I don't think that when they were around Jesus that they were thinking, oh man, Jesus, if you only knew what's going through my mind right now, you would want nothing to do with me. Or I don't think they were thinking, hey, Jesus, if you only knew what I did on spring break last week to the Sea of Galilee, I mean, man, Jesus, you wouldn't want to talk to me anymore. But when Jesus walked among us, those who were nothing liked him liked him. And the reason that this is so intriguing to me is that you fast forward a couple thousand years till today, and it is the exact opposite. That when we look each week that the most religious people will gather into churches, and the people who are least religious are least attracted to church. And when I read the New Testament, the church is described as this, the body of Jesus, which means we are, to, we are supposed to represent like the eyes and the hands and the feet and the heart of Jesus, that we represent Jesus to our community. In other words, that wherever we gather and scatter, that people should have some idea of who Jesus is and how they can connect with him. Yet for some reason, we aren't having the same impact on people that Jesus had on people. And so over the last couple of months, I have been wrestling with, and I hope today you'll, you'll kind of just wrestle through this question with me, and it's this. Well, why is that? 
Why is it that we are not having the same impact on people that Jesus had on people? And why is it that people who were nothing like Jesus liked Jesus and he was so attracted to them? Well, today we are wrapping up our Hills We Die On series, and over the last couple weeks, we've just been talking about some core convictions for us as a church, but not just for us as a church, hopefully for us personally as well, because they really go hand in hand. And if you've missed anything, I want to encourage you to jump online or subscribe to our podcast and and catch up with anything you've missed. But the foundation for this this series is out of a couple verses from the New Testament book of Acts. And, And Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, he gives us this snapshot of what made the early church tick, what they focused on. We've been reading this verse every week, and so verses every week, so we're just going to do it again. And here's what Luke says happened. It says, they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, and they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. And so springboarding from these verses, I've been introducing us to something that we are going to see a lot more of in the weeks and months advance ahead. And I think this is going to have a huge impact us, uh, impact us and as a church and us individually, because it's going to provide such clarity and focus to what we do. And uh, we call it this, we call it the great commission engine. And this, this, this term here, great commission, uh, we get this idea from Jesus's last words to his disciples where he commissioned them for a mission. He said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go and make disciples. And we've said, okay, that's great. What's the engine that gets this thing turning and turning and turning? And we see from the the verses we just read that there are really three things. And the first one is this, the temple courts idea. And, and, And back then, they would meet in this temple courtyard, and it was a huge place. And they would get together for worship prayer and the hearing of the scriptures. And so our equivalent of that is just what we're experiencing right now. But the big gathering wasn't all they did. They broke down into smaller gatherings and and they met in homes where they ate together and they encouraged and challenged each other on their faith journey. And we've just said, just as we heard a few minutes ago, that we want every single person to have a few faith-building friends in their life. That they say, hey, no, 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 you can do this. We're going to do this together because faith is a muscle that's best built with other people. And that best happens through Ridge Group. And then they gave to, to those in need that they reached out into their community to meet specific needs in that community. Now, we've called this selfless living because we've just said, hey, we're on a journey to follow Jesus to live more selflessly in our lives, that we begin to see our time, talents, and treasures, they all come from God to be used for God. So these environments, these are things that God has given us, not just to catalyze our own faith, but also to impact the community that we live in. Now, as we look at these, these are all individually driven. And here's what I mean, here's what I mean by that. I mean that churches like ours, we can provide the environments for these things, and we've provided and will continue to provide the environments for these things. However, it's up to you, and it's up to me to have the willingness to step into these environments. In other words, we're all responsible for growing ourselves spiritually. I can't do that for you, and you can't do that for me. But If we want to become that Acts 2 church, we first have to become Acts 2 individuals. But if we do, here's kind of the cool thing. Luke actually tells us what God will do in our lives if we, if we do this. And we looked at this in week one of this series, and I've just, this, this verse has moved me so much. I've said, hey, if there's a dream I have for, for all of us individually and all of us as a church, it is this right here. Because I think this is where, I mean, we're just in the sweet spot of life right here. Here's what, here's what Luke says right after this. He says, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. 
You know, when we said that, hey, people who weren't like Jesus, like Jesus, the early followers of Jesus, they obviously followed in his footsteps because they experienced the very same thing. That when they would read, when other people would read Google reviews on them, they weren't one-star reviews. It wasn't like, man, those Christians, they are stinking nuts. You're around these people, they are kooks, man. They stand on street corners and yell, you're going to hell, you're going to hell. I mean, they're crazy. They didn't read those. They were five-star reviews. They were like, man, I tell you what, I'm so glad they're here. Uh, They're making a difference in our community. Hey, you know what? I'm around them. They're just good people. I just like to be around them. I don't believe the same things they do. I just like being around them. If I was ever interested in going to church, I would go to them. First call. But that's not all. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And, I, and I've, my prayer for us has been that we get to a place where God is just so at work that we would hear daily stories of people making decisions to follow Jesus. Uh, what was kind of fun uh, during this series is after the first week, uh, I got a text message with some pictures. And it was pictures of, of someone that was getting baptized uh, on that night. And it was a, a group of ours, a Ridge group. And one of the members had made a decision to follow Jesus. And so they were like, hey man, why don't we just... Why, You can get baptized right now. And so they went to a lake and they baptized this person on a Monday night with a group gathered around kind of celebrating. And I thought, man, that's it, that's it, that's it. That's the kind of church I want us to be. Now, today as we kind of wrap things up, I want to talk about the heartbeat of it all. It was the heartbeat of the early church because this was the heartbeat of Jesus, and I want this to be our heartbeat as well. And when we discover what this heartbeat is, we discover why people who were nothing like Jesus liked Jesus. And I want to put up our our engine again. Today we're going to talk about this bad boy right here. You're one. You see, without this, all this other stuff really doesn't matter that much. Now, the way that we're going to get there is we're going to look at part of my favorite chapter in the entire Bible. And the reason this is my favorite chapter is I don't think there's any chapter in the Bible that captures the essence of who Jesus is and what matters to him than this bad boy right here. My favorite chapter, Luke 15. And Luke is the third book in the New Testament, is one of the four biographies of Jesus that, that, that we have in the New Testament. We call it Gospels. If you've like heard that term before and you've never heard that term, that, that's, that's exactly what it means. And if you're new to the Bible and you have questions about Jesus and you have questions about the Bible, read the book of Luke. It is so well thought out, well organized. You will get so much out of it by reading it. Now, what we see in, in Luke 15 is we see a group of people gather together and they are wrestling with some of the same questions we're wrestling with here. And as as Jesus would often do, he would, instead of just answering the question straight out, he would tell a parable. And a parable is a made-up story that he would use to illustrate a very complicated truth. And so we're going to look at one of Jesus' parables. Now, if you're here and you're a Christian, what we look at today, most of us, when I say most, probably 95 to 99%, most of us resist this, push back from it, and avoid it altogether. But I'm telling you, by doing so, we are missing experiencing God in our life in a way that we really want to experience God in our life. And so if you would just be willing to start to lean into this, you'll grow your faith in ways that you you otherwise couldn't. Now, if you're not a Christian, what we hear, what you hear us talk about today, you've probably run from this. And listen, I don't blame you from running from this. 
But I want to encourage you, I hope that today that you'll be open to just getting a different perspective behind this, which I hope will be a better perspective for you. So here's how Luke records how this all went down. He says this, he says, now the tax collectors and sinners. Back then, they literally ranked people in their society. And so they had the, the, the top-ranking people. These were the most religious and godly people. And then below them were like the kind of godly people. And then below them were like the, just kind of the average people. Kind of like, you know, all of us mostly. We'd be like, okay, I could kind of consider myself average. And then below them, below the average, were the sinners. Now, I don't know about you, but I just kind of cringe when I think about like a, a group of people in society. Like, hey, those are the sinners over there. Just, just kind of cringy, you know, when you hear about it. But here's why they were labeled sinners. These were people who had willingly and willfully rejected the Jewish Old Testament law. And so that society labeled them as sinners. And then we have this group right here. And, and these bad boys right here, the tax collectors, these were, and everybody would agree with this, these are the group of people that were on the very bottom of the ranking system. Because what tax collectors were is they were Jews that had sided with Rome. They, they would collect taxes from, from their own people, and they would overcharge, and they would give to Rome what was theirs, and then they would keep the overage, and they were very, very wealthy because of it. And so they were seen as, as just cheaters, as traitors. I mean, they were the bottom of the bottom of people. And it says, now the tax collectors and sinners, and listen to this, were all gathering around to hear Jesus. And so there it is again, that the people who were nothing like Jesus liked Jesus. And you kind of look at this and going. Well, what were they expecting Jesus to say, you know? It's not like Jesus was going to validate their life. He's going to go, hey, sinners, hey, sinners, man, go big or go home, man. I mean, come on, you can do better than that. Hey, tax collectors, the economy's pretty good right now. You should be charging more than you're already charging. I mean, it wasn't like he was going to validate their lifestyle. They knew that he was going to teach the opposite of how they were living, yet they chose to be around him anyways, and then it said, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. Now, they saw themselves as the top of the ranking system because they were the most religious in that society. And they couldn't figure out why Jesus was hanging around with this group because, you know, religious people don't hang around them people. So it says, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Now, I love the muttering idea. Because we probably all had an experience like this where we're sitting and we're listening to a speaker and we're with a friend and then all of a sudden the speaker says something and you're not really sure you agree with it so you turn as a speaker is talking you're going, hey, you hear what he said and you're talking to your friend and you're talking about the speaker. Yeah, some of you do it every week when you're here. I've seen you do it. And so this is, this is what's happening. It's like the teachers of the real estate, they're hearing Jesus and they're going like, I can't believe he hangs around them. He hangs around, spends times with them. Why would he do that? And they can't figure out why. So they're just muttering. They're just muttering, 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 muttering. And so Jesus, he sees this. And as a result, he launches into our story. He says this. He says, then Jesus told them this, this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? Now, Jesus would always tell stories that everybody could relate to. And so the idea, the idea of sheep and shepherding was you know, very common back then. So they all knew the answer to the question. Now, in our culture, we hear, leave the 99 and go, and go get the one. <laughs> Bad business sense, Jesus. Listen, we protect the 99, and then we write off the one as a business expense. 
But in their culture, all of them would have said, well, of course, Jesus, you leave the 99 and you go after the one. See, they all agreed on this. Probably the first time in history, these two people groups actually agreed on anything. And then Jesus continues, and when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and he says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. Now, he's elated. And the reason he's elated is because it was probably very dangerous for him uh, to find his lost sheep. The terrain was very dangerous that they lived on. And so it was very, very difficult. Probably risked his life to get the lost sheep. And so this is a big deal for him. And he's just reacting in a way that all of us have reacted before when we found something, when we lost something of value and then we found it. You see, here's what we know. When we lose something of value, we focus on what is lost to the neglect of or at the expense of what is unlost. So if my wife Donna calls me and she says, honey, I just want to let you know, I lost my credit card, but don't worry, I have my cell phone. I'm not going, thank God for that. Cell phones, yet you still have it, you know. Thank God for that. I feel so much better now. No, that is not what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, well, where is the stinking credit card? Let's go find it, you know. It's exactly what I'm thinking. You see, when we've lost something of value, the fact that we have a bunch of unlost stuff, it just doesn't matter all that much. I experienced this a couple months ago. And I shared some of this story, if you were here a couple months ago, where uh, Forrest, who's the pastor of, lead pastor of the Ridge Oak Creek Campus, uh, where I took him with me, and we were going to Madison to buy a new used car for me. And uh, we didn't end up getting the, the, the car because Forrest and I couldn't negotiate our way into a free movie together, and it really showed uh, as we were together. Now, as a part of this whole thing, some of you are just getting that, appreciate that. <laughs> So as a part of this whole thing, you know, I, I brought my checkbook with me because I thought, you know, hopefully we'll kind of get the deal and kind of kind of go from there. So, so you know, Forrest and I, you know, we, we leave the dealership uh, disappointed because, because we didn't get the deal. And so before we head back to Milwaukee, we're like, you know what, let's grab some lunch. So we pull into this place, you know, and, uh, and, and I take the checkbook, my checkbook, and I put it in my pocket to take it in there with me because the car that, that, I, that I currently had, the locks didn't always work that well, hence, you know, one of the reasons why I get a different car. And uh, so I took it with me because I didn't want to leave it there. So Forrest and I get done eating. We're driving back to Milwaukee, you know, and we're about an hour into the drive, and for some reason, I decide to check my pockets, check my pockets, no checkbook, and I instantly go into panic mode, you know, I'm like, where's my checkbook, where's my checkbook, and so Forrest and I, you know, we start looking around the car, you know, looking, looking under the seats, looking at the side of the seats, looking at that little center console, not really sure what they call that, but looking at that anyways, and uh, so we're, we're looking everywhere, the whole time driving, you know, 70 on the highway, and I'm like, where's the checkbook, where's the checkbook, well, Forrest decides, he's like, well, I'm gonna call, I'll call the restaurant, so he calls the restaurant owner, and uh, the owner's like, oh yeah, hey, someone found it and they brought it back. You guys can come on in and get your checkbook. And so we turn around and we start driving back. But for that entire hour, I'm going, I hope it's there. I hope it's there. I hope it's there. Now here's the thing. As I was driving back that hour to get the checkbook, the whole time I'm not thinking, I am so glad I have my wallet. So glad I have my wallet. No, why? Because when we lose something of value, our focus is entirely on what is lost. And this is the, the point that Jesus is trying to make in this whole thing. Now, as, as you kind of think about this whole idea, Jesus gives us the punchline. And it's just really important to kind of keep this idea in mind. Here's what Jesus says. He says, I tell you that in the same way, 
there'll be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents. And the tax collectors and sinners are going, hey, wait a minute. I, I think he might be talking about us. Then over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. And so this isn't a story about sheep. It's a story about God and how he sees all people, including tax collectors and including sinners. And the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law, they're going, Jesus, what, what do you mean by all this? Are you saying that God is more interested in them who we wouldn't even allow in our house than interested in us who we've spent our whole life doing the right thing? What's great about this is that Jesus describes us as sheep, which isn't a compliment, by the way, because sheep are not very bright animals. I recently read this, this uh, story, I heard this story, of 1,500 sheep that followed each other over a cliff, one by one, after the other, after the other, and 400 of them died because they fell 50 feet, but they just kept going and going and going. And I'm thinking to myself, you would think one of them would go like, hey, you know what? Louis stepped over the cliff and he didn't come back again. I should probably, before I step, I should probably hit the pause button here and, and figure out why. But you know what? I think I'm going to give it a try because I don't think it's a bad idea to do so. <laughs> but sheep just aren't really that bright. You see, and here's the thing. that Jesus' point isn't to insult us. His point is, is to actually point to the need that every single one of us has. And that is we all need a shepherd to lead and direct our life because otherwise we'll just be willing to kind of do our own thing and we'll end up in places we don't want to be. And here the Pharisees, they just think, well, we're just above all that. We don't need a shepherd. And little did they know just how lost they really were. So here is the most important hill that we will die on every single day, and it's this. We will always focus on the one over 99. Always focus. And I say focus because it requires focus. Because I said in week one, there's this gravitational pull that we all have towards the 99 and away from the one. Now, I know when you think, okay, okay, one at the expense of the 99, that's just not logical, Mark. That doesn't even make a whole lot of sense. But Jesus says, he says, listen, the heart of our heavenly father always moves towards the one at the expense of the 99. So to follow Jesus is to constantly fight against that gravitational pull towards the safety of the 99 and instead at the risk of the one. So here's what I want to do. I want to leave us with two questions. One of them is a question that I, I hope we get to a place here where you just start to roll your eyes. And some of you might roll your eyes right now, you know, when I give you the question. But I hope some of us will start rolling our eyes. There it is again, there it is again, there it is again. Because this gets so engrafted into us that we just, okay, 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 it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. Here's the first question. Who's your one? Who's your one? And when I say, when I say one, I mean that person in your world, that person in your life who doesn't follow Jesus, that person in your life that you are praying for, that you are serving, that you are loving, that you are giving yourself to, that you are having faith conversations with them when, when the time comes up, that you are a safety zone for them when it comes to all things, spiritual questions. And that person, you are then when the time's right, that you are inviting them to come with you on their faith journey to church. 
Who is your one? They are. They are the lost sheep in that story. They are where we all once were. You know, maybe that person for you is a spouse or it's a family member. Maybe it'd be a neighbor, a friend, co-worker. Maybe it's just someone you interact with just in your everyday routine. Who is that for you? Now, let me tell you why this is such an important question. And it is a really important question. You see, when our heart focuses on this, we begin to connect with the very heart of God because this is his heart. You see, the point to the story and the story that the two that Jesus would tell after this is that the reason that that Jesus was so committed to spending time with people who were nothing like him, because this is the very reason that he came. You know, I would imagine, I could imagine that if Jesus was standing on this stage right now, physically speaking, and we could see him, I would imagine that he would turn and look at me first and he would say, hey, Mark, you're good. Not good at preaching, by the way. He would say, Mark, you're good. And then he would turn and look at everybody here and everybody who's, who's watching us from Oak Creek and online, and he would look at all those who are following him, and he would go, hey, listen, I just want to let you know, I'm proud of you, I love you, we're good. But my focus isn't on you because you are already found. My focus is on all those who are broken, who have just made bad decision after bad decision after bad decision, who feel like God would never want anything to do with them, My focus is on those who feel lost, who have questions and doubts, who are going through painful things right now in their lives, who have been turned away from church, who have walked away from church. My focus is on them, so I want your focus to be on them because this is something we do together. You know, this is why, and this is another reason why this is so important, this is why what we're talking about here is one of the greatest ways we'll grow in our faith. A couple months ago, uh, I was spending some time with uh, my one, and we were having some conversation. Well, just all out of the blue, he starts talking about faith things, and he's just like, he's like, hey, this whole faith thing, you know, uh, I just don't get it. I can't get into it. I've got all these questions. You know, he starts rattling off all these questions, and I just sit and listen, and I just kind of step back, and I'm like, wow, he really feels safe enough uh, to just kind of be sharing these things and kind of how he really feels and thinks about things. Now, I know for some of you, you're going like, well, Mark, that probably happens to you all the time because you're a pastor, you know, so people just kind of do that. But you need to hear this. It's worse for me because when people see me, it's like, oh, no, the pastor's coming. Honey, get the kids in the house and close the garage. You know, the pastor's coming. We're not home, you know. They don't want to hear from me. But here I was just kind of sitting back, kind of taking this whole thing in, and then I'm driving home that night. And I'm just, I was like, wow, that was just really, really sacred stuff that he felt that way. And I just, I was just like, oh man, God, I cannot believe you allowed me to play a small part in his story. Here's the thing. My faith grew because I began to see someone else truly through God's eyes. You see, our faith is not made just for us. It's made for something. It always was. And that something is a someone. Who's your one? Who's your one? Now, some of you might be like, Mark, I really don't have one. Hey, listen, that's okay. Just need to be honest about that. You know, research shows that the longer someone has followed Jesus, the more they just tend to associate with church people. We're going to give you something in a minute that hopefully will begin to change that for you. Who is your one? Look at this question and just give an honest assessment of where you are with this. And then here's the final question. Will you just begin praying for your one? Now, most of us, we, we don't even do this or even think about doing this. 
And here's the great thing about this one right here. Not only do we believe when, when, when we pray for someone or pray for something that God moves in some way and, and circumstances can change and hearts can be changed and all that stuff, but little do we know that we are changed as well. You see, because our focus, or we begin to focus on what we pray for. And so if you're like, that's not even a focus for me, you begin to pray, it'll automatically start to become a focus for you. And so we pray things like this. God, would you open up their heart to you? Hey, God, would you open up my heart to them? Hey, God, would you help them see just how much you love and care for them? Hey, God, would you begin to do in their life what you have and are doing in mine. You know, I want you to imagine this for a minute. I want you to imagine it's a year from now, and you're, you're sitting or, or watching or wherever it may be, uh, wherever you attend service for, with us. And it's a year from now. How would you feel? You're sitting in service, and you know, you're kind of sitting in there, and the coffee hasn't fully kicked in, you know, and, and you're like, oh man, Mark's speaking, it's going to be an average service at best now, and uh, you're just kind of sitting there, and uh, all of a sudden you're looking around, and you're looking around, you're looking around, and then it's like, there, there he is, or there she is, you're one, and they're in service, or they're sitting next to you in service. How are you feeling? For some of you, you're going, I can't believe it, they said they would never step foot and here they are. They never said that they would consider. Here they are. And I'm telling you the feeling that you would feel, you would go, God, I'm telling you, thank you very much for allowing me to play a small part in what you are doing in someone else's story. Most of you know that I was in the corporate world before uh, I became a pastor. And when people find that out and we're in conversation, one of the, the questions I get asked more often is, so why did you do it? Why did you leave the corporate world to, to become a pastor? And I think what they're looking for is they're looking for some like, my, mystical answer. You know, It's like I was driving in the car one day, and it was like God spoke audibly, leave the corporate world, leave, and you know, become a pastor, you know, have, make a profession where most people are going to run when you come. You know? Or it was like you know, God wrote me a note or something. It was just they're looking for some mystical answer. And here's the thing. There wasn't a mystical answer. None of it. The reason why I chose to leave was simply this. I wanted to give my life to a church that was committed to leaving the 99 over the one. Because when I think about real transformation in our world, this is it. Because transform individuals lead to transform relationships, which lead to transform families which lead to transform students, which lead to transform schools, which lead to transform communities, which ultimately leads to a transform world. And the only one that I know who can transform anyone is Jesus. And so my prayer for you and my prayer for me and my prayer for us is that we would always be known as a place that people who are nothing like Jesus like being with us. And that we would love them in the way that Jesus loved them. So much so that he would say, and he would live in such a way, that he would leave the 99. And he would pursue the one. And we would be willing to do the heavy lifting of picking them up and carrying them home. Because that's how much he loves you. That's how much he loves me. That's how we're to love. So here's what we're going to do together. 
online. I want you to participate in this as well. Oak Creek, we're going to do this together. On my right, on your left, is a basket with a, with a little card. So I want you to grab the basket and pass it down. It's a little card. And on this card is the question, who is your one? And I want you to just take a moment and I want you to write down a name. There's actually a pen in, in the seat in front of you so you can grab a pen if you like. And for some of you, like, I don't know who my one is. Just ask God, God who's, who do you want me to be my one? Who do you want me to be my one? Who are you pursuing right now in my life, God? And then after you write the name down, I just want you to take a couple moments at your seat and just begin praying for that person. God, would you open up their heart to you? Would you open up my heart to them? God, would you help them to see just how much you love and care for them? God, would you do in their life what you are doing in mine? And so we're going to do this together. Um, we have a couple moments to do it. Let's start writing that name, and let's just spend some time praying for those people together. Let's do this together. All right, I want you to do me a favor. To take this card. I want you to put it somewhere where you're going to see it every single day. Because once again, it's a focused thing. The gravitational pull will always pull us away from this. But listen, this is what we've been called to do. This is why we do what we do. So put this somewhere so you'll be reminded, oh yeah, I'm going to pray for, I'm going to pray for, I'm going to pray for my one. And to kind of close us out, I'm going to pray for us. Father, um, we read that, that story that Jesus told and then the ones after that doesn't make any sense when you really think about it, God. But your love is so powerful. It just transcends our senses, common sense, all that stuff. But you would leave 99 going, all right, they're protected, they're cared for. Let's go after the one. No matter how far away, how difficult the journey is, you will leave the one every single time. God, um, I would guess that almost all of us here, many of us here, I should say, uh, we've had the experience of being the one. And now, God, your call on us is to have the same pursuit and love and care for uh, others that you have had for us. God, would you help us to be that place? Would you help us to do that? May that be our heartbeat because we know it's your heartbeat. So thank you, God, for all the names that were lifted up. Uh, may you open up hearts. May you open up our heart. And God, would you do in their lives what you are and have done in ours? And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Rich Community Church's podcast. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to host you at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and more about our kids' and students' environments, visit us at theridgecc.com. That's theridgecc.com.